This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That The achievements of your Forest side under Clough will live forever. What are your personal highlights from that incredible era? Um, yeah, personal highlights. Obviously, winning the, um, the second European Cup and being on the field of play when the final whistle is blown. You know, that was uh, that was really, really special. You know, really special indeed. That was uh, that was terrific. So that uh, the most uh, the most. Atmospheric game we'd possibly ever played in the, and I probably include Liverpool in this year, but for me was the semi final, the first semi final match, uh, first match, a uh, first leg against Cologne, where we drew 3 3, which meant that was at the city ground, which meant that we had to go away and effectively either draw 4 4, which is not going to happen, or win the game in Cologne to get to the final. So beating Cologne. And the, the second game was fantastic, but the most atmospheric game at the city ground for years and years and years was definitely was definitely the um, the semi final against Cologne. It was unbelievable. And in terms of your club career, you obviously have spells at Norwich City, you are at Manchester City as well. But I want to ask you about your international career because you captained Northern Ireland at a World Cup, which must have been an incredible moment. It, it was absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, for us to beat to, to beat the host nation Spain in '82 to to make it through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup was really something else, Callum. Really, you know, uh, obviously having to win in Valencia that night to to get through. Manuel Donner had been sent off with about twenty odd minutes to go. Us hanging hanging on in the game, just uh, last bits ta- challenging and uh, and really. Uh, really worried about the referee, of course. You, may, you might give a penalty kick or something like that there, but uh, uh, it was terrific for us. Absolutely terrific, honestly. Great memory. And it's like yesterday to me. And in terms of um, managing and coaching, is that something that was always on your mind, particularly as you were coming towards the end of your career? Absolutely not, Chum. And believe it or not, no. <laughs> Really didn't, 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 uh, never thought about it at all, despite the fact that I'm, uh, I'm with Clough and Taylor, which, you, you know, you get some fantastic teachers. No, <clears throat> I met, I met Peter Taylor a couple of years later by chance in Nottingham. Uh, he was uh, coming out of a, a store and I was going into it and he was the one that said, Oh, I thought you would go into management. I really thought you'd go in. And, uh, and that kind of surprised me a little bit, you know, that he had even, even given that some sort of consideration. And uh, <clears throat> and he actually said he used the word "joy." Oh, you disappoint me. I thought you were. I thought you were going to manage when Peter. Uh, you had the two best teachers in the world, and Peter. Uh, sorry, and Brian and I. What you were saying, and so it started to make me really think about it. So when I went back home, really give it consideration, and I started to then apply for for posts that that might be vacant. 
And in terms of the, the post, I suppose, that really um, put your name in the map as a manager, it has to be obviously your time at Wickham where you transformed yep. the club from being in the conference to getting into the Football League, winning another promotion and, and winning some other trophies like the FA Trophy, the Conference League Cup and Shield and amongst others there as well. <coughs> I was honestly, really terrific time. and um, But important to me as well too, really important, Callum, because if you feel... You feel there, well, there's a fairly, fairly, you know, strong chance that you probably wouldn't get uh, get an opportunity to manage uh, really high up. And so, from from that, I'm eternally grateful, obviously. But I put, I actually put heart and soul into uh, into doing that. I really did. I put everything into it. You, you put everything into it. You then go to Norwich briefly before going to Leicester City, where again you have another period of real success with Leicester. Again, taking them um, and a promotion, taking them to the to the top flight of English football, winning two League Cups, which is no mean feat considering the the resources that the likes of Manchester United and Arsenal had in the late nineteen nineties. Yeah. Just 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 for two teams as examples. Just how do you reflect in that time at Leicester? Because it's fondly remembered by the fans to this day. <coughs> Oh, Callum, honestly, I, 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 after a really, really, really poor start, poor start indeed, where the fans were, <clears throat> there was certainly an uproar at the time because I, when I came into the club, couldn't win a game, uh, really, really a uh, real struggle. I think it was about, I know it might be, but it certainly might, might, might have been about eight league games before I finally get the first win. And our chances looked like dwindling away, but... Uh, we fought back brilliantly and got promotion through the playoffs and things uh, took off from there, which was great. But I must admit, while I absolutely love Leicester City and I wouldn't left Leicester for too many other clubs other than that, that somebody like Celtic, I had a great time. But honestly, the, um, the to begin with was really tough. So from, from, from that viewpoint, uh, I absolutely love my time at Leicester you know uh, if you, if you can forgive the first three or four months alright <laughs> in terms of Celtic um, I'm a massive Celtic fan your Celtic side was the first, was the side I grew up with and in terms of going to Celtic were you at all phased by the form of the club in the previous season where they were distant second to Rangers yes the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely I was, I was concerned, I must admit, and uh, <coughs> there was nothing, there was nothing uh, uh, that, that uh, in pre-season, some pre-season matches that we had, particularly in Germany and Ireland, that uh, convinced me otherwise. Yes, I, I had a definite concern about it, but uh, you just hope that maybe you might add a, add a couple of players, for instance, Chris Sutton, uh, I know that... Um, had uh, Mark Viduka stayed at the football club, I would have been pleased that that was the case. But when he left, we turned the money over to uh, uh, to sign Chris Sutton from Chelsea. And honestly, he his signing, his signing and his contribution were really massive to us. Really did because he settled down. He he became a big player. He became a great a great um, an excellent player for Henrik Larsson. Henrik loved playing with him. And Chris could play in a number of positions, so be it. But honestly, he 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 coming to the football club so early on gave us that gave us that lift that we needed. Because had we not signed him at that time, the Rangers result might have been different. You know, the one that we won six two. Yeah. That might have been and I'm saying these things, Callum, in all honesty, you know that these things might be different. But his influence was very strong, very, very good. 
and um, and and while I, while he often said jokingly that he would never go into punditry, and now he's doing it, it doesn't really matter. We're having a laugh, but he was he was brilliant for the club and a big landscape changer for me. That six two game was that the 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 day that you felt something special as possible here at Celtic this season, <clears throat> or was it too early? Okay, I thought m- myself myself at the time at the time after we've won, I thought it was too early to make that that that, that assessment. In hindsight, as people, particularly Celtic fans, talk to me. Actually, it might have been the moment of the changing of the guards there. It might have been, and it's become significant because even though the <coughs> Rangers beat us in November time, by then we had enough confidence to be able to, you know, uh, ease our way through some sort of troubled waters and and go on and win the uh, the championship by whatever points we won it by. So yes, at the time I don't think Callum that I thought that I thought well that's early on it's only six games and it did give us great confidence and I thought that it gave us confidence to compete. But if you're asking me was it the was it the changing at that time and a lot of fans say it and I don't disagree with it now because psychologically it was a massive boost for us. But at that time, I, 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 that would have been too too early to have called that. To win a treble in your first season, um, given the, the the historic nature of winning a treble, obviously Jock Steen was synonymous with doing that back in the, the 60s and 70s. Just how much did it mean to you personally? And were you mentally exhausted at the end of that season, given how much of a roller coaster <coughs> it was? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exhausting. But, you know... <coughs> I suppose, really, you know, when when we uh, when we uh, when we got ourselves into the into the cup final and we were able to win the Scotty, sorry, the League Cup final, I should say, and uh, and we had a good chance in the league at that stage. Then, honestly, as it started to as it started to unfold, Callum, I, I think then that's when I I got uh, I sort of got the um, uh, goosebumps about it more than anything else. When it when it was finally achieved, I thought this, you know. Absolutely fantastic, uh, but the the amazing thing about it, it doesn't. Oh, uh, as you well know, in Scotland, you don't get much time to to sit in the glory. You have to start thinking about the next season. So, but for a but a week or ten days, and I think I might have gone on a little bit of a break. It was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. But yeah, mentally exhausting. There's no doubt at all about it. Your recruitment at Celtic, as you say, the likes of Chris Sutton, John Hartson, um, Alan Thompson, among others, um, w- was really strong and helped take Celtic in, in a positive direction. But you inherited three players I want to ask you about in particular, and Henrik Larsson, Paul Lambert and Lobo Moravchik. What were they like to work with? And was that a godsend <coughs> as a manager to inherit those type of players? <coughs> it's absolutely, absolutely was. Moravchik, uh, it was it was um uh, was one of those the best two footed player, the best two footed player probably ever worked with. No doubt the most talented player. He could go either side. He was absolutely fantastic. Um I think he was about uh, thirty three years of age when, when I got to the football club. If Moravchik if Moravchik had been twenty seven when I, I think I honestly think there's no doubt that we would have won the UEFA Cup. No doubt, he he would have sprinkled magic all over Seville. That's what I, I, that's what I genuinely think. Easy for me to say because uh, Porto was some really great players, but Moravchik, in terms of sheer ability, in terms of being able to d- deal with situations in the middle of the field, had he been twenty-seven and played against uh, Derley, uh, you know all those players that 
that played for um, for uh, Porto, uh, Moravchik would have definitely left a mark on it. There's no question about that. And I actually think it's easy, as I say, easy from a distance. But had he been 27 and played in that final, uh, that he would have uh, he would have made the difference definitely. Uh, Henrik Larsson, sorry, go to Paul Lambert first. Paul was great player, uh, really did great for great did great for himself. <clears throat> to leave St Mirren to go and um, and look for trials in Germany, not, not you know thinking that he can do all of these things there. It just uh, it's really amazing, absolutely amazing, and for him to end up winning the Champions League with Dortmund, sensation, and that that speaks volumes for the player himself. He was a great influence in the dressing room as well too. Very positive, very very positive, and then you get Henrik Larsson who was just uh, sensational. Sensational Larson, great, great player, great goal scorer, brave as a lion, and uh, and what else could you ask? And a great uh, and could play with either Chris Sutton or or um, or uh, <coughs> John Hartson without without a problem. Great player, no wonder he's revered such uh, in uh, with uh, the Celtic fans and just uh, just uh, as good as you can get. And the pleasing thing, <coughs> he goes to Barcelona. Wins the Champions League there with them. Uh, had to fight his way to try and get into the side, which is, was going to be difficult with the likes of Ronaldinho and people like that there at the club at that time. But uh, then he goes to Manchester United. When what age is he? 33, 34. Scores goals in the Premier League. That's the most pleasing thing for me because he could have done that in the Premier League without a problem. And in terms of managing players of that calibre, the ones that you recruited and the ones that you you inherited, how did you go about that? Obviously, did did you think back to your time working with Brian Clough where he let players play? Yeah, I think this is it. You allow these people scope and you will get that back tenfold. You allow them scope. Allow them scope, allow them not only to play, play their game, but allow them the environment in which to work. So getting some extra players in to help, which I did do. To also also not not confuse them with too much. They didn't need too much. Certainly, Paul Lambert, having played with uh, <coughs> with having played with Dortmund, no problem. And Henrik Henrik's, you know. So they 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 didn't. They just needed um, they just needed encouragement at times. You know, every single time, like most players. So it wasn't it wasn't a problem. And I'm quite sure it was the same. If I can draw some sort of parallel with. Um, with the players at Manchester United, particularly uh, Eric Cantona, you just let them go and play, and uh, uh, let them go and do things, and everything else will happen accordingly. So you give you give players a little bit of a little bit of their scope, a little bit of uh, a little bit of slack in many aspects, although sometimes those players didn't need it, and just let them go, and the rest will will help immensely, and now you have a you have a chance of of, of winning something. You were revered at Celtic as a manager, as I say, the, the team that I grew up watching was was your side, and it was heartbreaking for myself and many Celtic fans when you left the club. Obviously, the, the circumstances um, dictated that that had to happen, and and within a year or so, you you come back into management, which I think everyone was great to see after the tough circumstances that you and your family went through. This time at Aston Villa, what a period of time you had there competing in the top six of the Premier League, almost getting Champions League football and reaching a League Cup final at Wembley. Just how yep. proud are you of what you built there? Because you think of the likes uh, of James uh, that, Milner yes. and Cole, you built a great team. Well, Callum, you're being very kind to me. Thank you very much indeed. It was it was, it was was really good. Um, 
Yes, it was. Uh, I, I wanted to try and get the team into the Champions League. That was my main uh, driving force. Obviously, competing against the likes of Manchester United, Arsenal, and Chelsea at that time was, you know, was quite difficult in terms of uh, in terms of the amount of money that they could spend and where where we could be. But it still doesn't stop you from aiming at that. And uh, <coughs> we went close in the last two years, very close to taking it into the last couple of games. Unfortunately, didn't we ended up playing in Europe, which was great. But that's the Champions League is probably where I wanted to go. And had um, had the referee made some um, some a proper decision uh, in the League Cup final against Manchester United when Vidic should have been sent off in the first two minutes of the game, uh, referee gives us a penalty, but Vidic should have gone. Uh, then uh, you you never know that might have been that might have been different. It would be nice to have won something with Aston Villa at the same time. But Champions League, if you're asking me, Champions League was where I wanted to try and get the, to to get the team. And in terms of um, international management, when you become the manager of the Republic of Ireland, why did you decide to go with Roy Keane as your assistant? Because that came out, the Blues, to, to people from the outside, has been a big statement appointment. And to be fair, you both worked well to get to the European Championships, beating Germany in the yeah. process as well. Yes, yeah, we had done a little bit of work together in, in punditry. Not not that great deal, but a, a few matches, particularly in the in the continent. When uh, I think it was ITV uh, were in charge of um, in charge of the live TV Champions League games, so we went and covered a couple of those games and <coughs> excuse me, sorry, Cam, and talked about it at the time. That thought that uh, well, if it, an opportunity came up for me to manage at international level, probably more so than at club level. Then, if, if he was available, would he be interested? As it turns out, we didn't think at the time. But then, along comes the, um, along comes the, um, along comes the uh, Republic of Ireland job, and we have uh, and 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 we go for it. Uh, listen, in, uh, since Roy was a manager himself, sometimes it's hard to let go, particularly if you've got an opinion about the uh, about who should be selected in the team. Roy Roy's obviously never short of giving an opinion. But he, uh, if if I disagreed, uh, he would go with mine, and you would not, never hear any sort of public disagreement uh, from him. He was a uh, he was excellent to work with, really excellent. A lot of the players, the players of the Republic of Ireland, would have known him anyway, only a generation apart from them, I think. And um, and he was and he was a good, good influence as well too. Good strong influence it was great. How did um, being at a major tournament compare as a manager um, compared to being a player as well? Well, <coughs> when we got to France, it was great because um, first of all, it was it was a, it was a sort of a dream, really, because I'd been I'd seen I'd seen the uh, the um, the old footage of Jack Charlton and the great success that he had with the Republic of Ireland, and he was the first one to do it, which was fantastic. Away back, what was it, eighty eight, ninety, and ninety four, or something like that. And um, to see all those scenes at the, at the at the airport and in Dublin city centre afterwards, with the crowds gathered round welcoming them home, and I thought this is really what I'd love to, I'd love to see happening for us. Now we came back and that we um, that the day that we played the day we played Sweden in the first game in the first game of the Euros in in Paris when we had probably about maybe twenty twenty five thousand. Irish fans singing, singing their hearts out, and uh, just being away from Dublin, you know, actually away from home. I thought those, those, uh, those were great moments, really, really great moments. And obviously, beating um, 
beating Italy in uh, with Robbie Brady's really brave header. That was fantastic, Callum. Really fantastic. So from from that viewpoint, but how did it differ? It differs obviously from from club level in many aspects. But the great thing about it, when you did qualify for the competition just before the Euros, unlike the lads now at this minute in the World Cup, who have gone straight straight from playing a game on a Saturday to starting the competition next week. We had a couple of weeks where, where we could work with the players and it very much felt like a club atmosphere then. You know what I'm saying? So it was really, it was fantastic. Last question you'll be relieved to hear is obviously about um, the book on Days Like These, My Life in Football. Why have you decided to write the book now? Because as I say, your, your career in football is remarkable. Um, could we see you back in football or is the book maybe part of you telling your story with a view to maybe stepping away from management and coaching what we're used to, to seeing you doing? Again, Calum, a really good point. I'd like to think I'd like to think that it gives you the verve and, uh, and, uh, and a bit of... <coughs> A bit of, um, a bit of, uh, what shall I say, uh, determination again. I enjoyed doing the book. I must admit, uh, rem- reminiscing from some old days. I know I straddle a fairly lengthy time, like fifty years in the game. But in all honesty, if there was an opportunity to come up that I that and I haven't really sought it out, but tell them if there was an opportunity that I thought that this is uh, that, that that would suit both myself and. Uh, you know, the present owner, the present chairman, I would give it some thought, no question about that. But but see, but uh, uh, you have to do some work for it. I don't have anybody working for me in any aspect. I've never had. And uh, and sometimes, um, sometimes uh, as um, Alex Ferguson once said to me, don't stay out of the game too long, Martin. You, you get forgotten very quickly. He meant in general, people get forgotten very quickly. So uh, there's no doubt about it. But it, doesn't, it hasn't stopped me from having a, a wonderful time in, in, in football, which is uh, what I wanted to try and cover. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open I'll be filled with song, I'll be filled with song